slide before you attended a webinar please yep. ask uh, questions uh, essentially the update is that uh, the last vestiges of the non-virtual New York hearing points will become virtual as of next week right so a week from today we'll be able to say that every single hearing point uh, including the last two holdouts uh, which was the new Windsor hearing point uh, or Newburgh as it's sometimes referred to uh, and Allegheny hearing point are now fully virtual uh, and we think this is really important and something we wanted to share with our clients and all the people that come to these afternoon webinars and uh, watch them on the web the reason it's important is because New York's massive uh, from top to bottom, stem to stern, uh, it's seven hours of driving time from top to bottom. And it's about seven hours wide, too. It's a really wide state. And the state's hearing points are spread out all amongst uh, the many counties and these great distances. And in the past, uh, Lois Law Firm only went where most of the cases were, and that's really uh, the downtown or downstate New York hearing points, the bottom 12 or 13 hearing points closest to our office in Manhattan and our New Jersey office. Uh, and that really worked out for most of our clients because about 80% of all of the cases in the New York workers' compensation system are venued in those hearing points. That's right. The two largest, Jamaica and Manhattan, uh, really dwarf the amount of cases that come mm -hmm. into the other hearing points. Uh, and we've had a foothold uh, on those hearing points for yeah. quite some time. In the past, we would sometimes uh, handle cases. I don't know, a client would ask, could you guys go to Binghamton? You go to Syracuse. I got a death case. You know, I want the same attorney on it from the beginning end. Can you do that for us? Uh, and But, you know, other places in the state we didn't really go to. And that was a little bit frustrating for our clients because they would say, hey, we like the way you handle cases downstate. Could you handle them all over the state that way? Can you please open up a new office? In Buffalo. And I couldn't convince <laughs> a partner to go move to Buffalo. Sorry, Buffalo. Uh, the other You're challenge... welcome, everybody here, that I did not move there. <laughs> Right. And then uh, the that. other challenge we have is, you know, clients who, uh, you know, maybe wanted one attorney to handle all of their cases throughout right. the entire state. And how can you do that in a state where it's seven hours driving distance between courthouses? It's, it's not really possible until now. It's not possible until now. So now uh, all of the courthouses uh, are virtual or will be fully 100 percent virtual uh, by Monday, March 25th. And when we say fully or 100 percent, we mean it's mandatory that all attorneys, whether they're going to go there in person or not, check in via the virtual hearing process. So they right. It's almost them. like a little nudge to make you appear virtually because if they, if you're appearing in person, they're going to make you check in right. virtually. Right. Uh, so the, the check-in is all going to be virtual. Every single hearing will be virtual, which means you can attend via web conference. Uh, there's lots of great information on the board's website so we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of how it works. Uh, but uh, we have been encouraging our clients to actually come to their hearings. Right. There's a you know simple uh, baseline technology uh, requirement for your hardware to, to access it. Board actually has released an app in the past couple months that so anyone really with a smartphone can can attend a hearing as long as you have uh, the uh, party of interest status or you have the the ID and capability. And it's been a great boon for our clients. Yeah. In fact, we see huge benefits to our clients. And so today. Uh, it's been uh, over a year that we've been attending almost every case right. virtually, and we want to share some information from our experience in doing this. Uh, the first thing I want to share is that we recently did a survey for a statewide client. And what we looked at uh, was cycle time, of course, closure rate, number of attorneys, and the average bill. But then we also looked at uh, cases that were handled virtually. And for this client, we've been attending almost everything virtually. Uh, we saw a 26% uh, 
fee and expense reduction for this client in one year, which we attribute completely to the virtual hearing process. We have not changed the way we do things here. We still handle cases exactly the same way. I mean, absolutely, it is what it is. Uh, but we have utterly eliminated the transportation, mileage, attorney time, all that windshield time expense for this client in over 90% of their workers' compensation hearings that we attend for them. And so at this year's meeting with the client, I, I traveled down to Atlanta and I was like, hey, look, we're, we're still hitting the ball for you on the way we litigate cases, but look at this. I'm able to show you an actual fee reduction, a year-over-year -year reduction in what your attorney's charging you for the same volume of cases. That's, to me, something that's very meaningful to a client. Absolutely. I think the data really emphasizes it because when the virtual hearing program started, it was really a theory or a hypothesis that we would save the money. Now that we have the actual numbers over a longer than 12-month period, I think the first virtual hearing was in October or November of 2017, mm -hmm. uh, essentially the, there's enough there's enough of a sample size for us to determine that, okay, this is, this is a real cost savings to our clients. Right. Uh, we're also seeing less continuances, so cases getting adjourned sort of against our will, and those could be just basic things like, hey, weather. Right. You right. know, snow days, is, I mean, it especially applies to our upstate population, our increasing uh, footprint there, because, you know, they get the, the, the severe weather more, more so than the downstate hearing points. Yeah. Uh, it's also a lot easier for our witnesses to appear uh, you know, I've had so many clients over the years tell me, Greg, I am a retailer. I don't want you pulling people to go into court and testify against even a baseless or fraudulent claim. I, I don't want you pulling somebody out of one of my locations in November, December, December January. January. You know, those are our busy months, Greg. And, and how frustrating it is to have a defensible case. But, you know, it's such an interruption to the employer or the insured's, you know, workflow to have us pulling out the supervisor or the manager. Now we can tell this person, hey, the case is on for 30 minutes. You're the witness. Here's the time I need you to be just next to a phone or have your iPhone open and in front of you and have the app open up on the iPhone right. and appear virtually. And they don't have to leave the location. They don't have to travel time. They don't have to wait. I mean, how frustrated are clients when they come to court and they're they're waiting. Definitely, definitely. I mean, it, there's been a more emphasis too. The judges uh, at these hearing points have had specific training to really call cases faster, right? Uh, there's no court reporter. Uh, a lot of times we would go in person to court and we'd all be ready, but maybe the court reporter was on a taking a break, break yeah, right? Sure. Or uh, you know, prescribed you know time where they would not be in uh, the uh, courtroom, and it eliminates one person and allows for uh, more seamless transitions. Uh, you know, you mentioned the employer witnesses, right? That applies to transportation cases too, or, or uh, construction clients where uh, they have to be at a particular location or they're moving from location to location and committing the amount of time to travel and be at a hearing point can really bog down, uh, you know, the, the employer's workforce. Sure, and then the last bonus or benefit I've seen uh, is just safety. I mean, this is the, the year and a half now, knock on wood. Uh, we haven't had an attorney get an offender bender on the way sure. back and forth to court. Sure. We're slipping into an icy parking lot, walking into the Queens courthouse. Like we haven't had that. And I just, it's just safer because 90% of the time we don't do that. So let's talk about uh, what cases we think are right and should be handled virtually. And the reason I'm going through this is really in reaction to some clients who are being told by their counsel, and it's not us. Okay. <laughs> that's telling them, oh, you shouldn't go virtually. That's a fad. It's going to burn itself out. It's not a real thing or it's, there's no benefit to you. Uh, really wanted to talk about, hey, the system's now statewide. There's no exceptions. It's mandatory. And here's the benefits. And, and so we think the cases are about 90% of our matters are now being handled virtually. We're only going to court about 
eight, nine, ten percent of the time across our, our case population. Right, and it kind of makes sense for the cases where there's not a large dispute, there's no testimony being taken, all the evidence that you need to make your arguments is already in the record. Uh, you know, the virtual hearing guidelines actually ask for all parties to submit all the evidence five days before the hearing in order to reference it uh, before the judge. So. It really does not make sense financially, and as you put it, safety-wise, to bring an attorney to court when you could handle it in-house. Sure, and for simple admitted accident losses, you know, the issue is what's the wage, the issue is what's the rate, is it what body parts are compensable, or just as simple as putting through a settlement on the record. I mean, right. you know, our practice is to always ask for Section 32 to be on the papers, but right. sometimes we have to go in, maybe there's a non-English speaker or other reasons to have us come sure. in. What a waste of time, effort, money, blood, and treasure, and litigation resources. I mean, just what a total waste of time. Yeah, and to, to accomplish the same result, right? I mean, it's not just the, the savings, but, you know, the results aren't we're seeing for a course of a year and a half have not changed whether we're appearing virtually or in person. So right. I, I think it would be cause for concern if we were appearing virtually and getting different results. But, right. uh, you know, with the board's annual report for 2018 just coming out, 40% uh, of every hearing over the last year had at least one virtual participant. Mm -hmm. And it's really not taking uh, any kind of different shape than what we were seeing when we were going to court in person. Right, right. So, uh, some cases we do not believe are right for a virtual hearing, and we will still appear in person. And uh, our general rule here is appear virtually where you can, and right. go when you can. And and so we do find eight, nine, ten percent of the typical attorney workload does need to be in person, and we think there's some reasons for that. Sure, we you know we tell uh, all of our attorneys here you know if, if to use their judgment if it would help the client to actually appear in person, right? Uh, you may need a HIPAA release at that hearing that day. Right, so we want to get the claimant to sign it in our presence. Right, uh, you know, we talk about witnesses and shepherding them through uh, the trial process, so right. that they feel comfortable and they feel like they have uh, someone to help them uh, navigate through the courtroom. Now, a lot of those things are, are good examples for why we would want to, and we would always uh, present that opportunity if uh, one of our clients would want us to go. Uh, so those are types of cases that sure, and then. You know, less commonly, but, you know, where we want a face-to-face -face confrontation. Right. You know, we're pushing something a certain way. We're trying to create a leverage point. Uh, that's a that's another opportunity. And then those cases where I'm really going to court just so that I can meet my investigator <laughs> and point out the claimant really carefully and really directly to the investigator and say, this is our person. Get on them and follow them. You know, it's wink. a <laughs> wink, wink. All right. Um, so... Uh, I've also heard from clients uh, some objections, and I want to talk about them. And these yeah. are essentially the justifications uh, that they're being given by their counsel as to why I need to go to every hearing. Okay? Personally, I believe it's because they're just churning, and this is just an easy way to rack up a lot of billable hours in the billable hour environment or burn through your uh, alternative fee agreement or however you're billing your client. I mean, frankly, I think these are justifications to just try to run up attorney bills, but that's just my opinion. Or to avoid the change, right? I mean, or to avoid we, the change. We've heard some practitioners, uh, you know, uh, our competitors in the industry just actually say to us that they will not do this. They I'm not doing it. Right. I'm just, do I don't care what the rules are. I'm doing what I want. And and so one of the chief justifications I've heard is, well, Greg, uh, this is uh, a great opportunity for us to do a face-to-face -face settlement discussion with our adversary. And, and the truth is sometimes that's right. Like the, That right. is uh, sometimes the justification, but the majority of the hearings that we attend 
um, you know, if, first of all, there's no reason you can't have that settlement discussion before you have go to court. Okay? Absolutely. Uh, right. You know, not having a good open line of communication with your adversary or opposing counsel before the hearing is my, is, I think, is a mistake. Um, the second thing is uh, a lot of times we go to hearings. I don't get to sit there with the handling primary rainmaking attorney at no. that law firm. Who's going to make the final decision? Who's going to execute the paperwork on behalf of the firm? Uh, you know, it's typically a coverage attorney. Uh, well, let's talk about what that means because sure. a per diem attorney is someone who gets paid a per diem. Right. You might hear the term of counsel per diem, right? Uh, they're essentially retained for that hearing on the day only. Right, right, and each hearing point has them. Uh, they, you know, it might in the smaller hearing points, it might be one. Uh, you know, Jamaica and Manhattan have like three or four, and it generally gets to the point where you can have the in-person discussion, but the per diem attorney does not have authority because they're not the the actual handling attorney. Right. In other words, this is someone who takes twenty, thirty, fifty dollars and says uh, per hearing. They grab 50 of them in a day from a bunch of different law firms. They get one or two or three little line blurbs and access to EKs. And they go look up the case. They come into the courtroom and they say what they're going to say. You know, they've got their scripts to kind of go through. And at the end of the hearing, you say to them, hey, uh, you know, grab their elbow and say, can I talk to you outside? Can we talk about settlement? And they'll say, sure, Greg, but just so you know, you can tell me whatever you want. And I'll pass it along. But I'm not the handling attorney. I'm just, I'm just here for the day. That's exactly what it is. It's, I'll pass it along. They'll make a note of it in the file, and then we'll have to follow up with the attorney anyway out of court right? right. because they're not there. And, and then the bigger adversaries have a settlement department. So sure. you, you'll see somebody in court, and they're from that actual law firm, and they'll go, ha-ha, I don't talk about settlement. You know, call the office. Right. We've actually settled. Some some cases, we've actually settled cases faster with the settlement department. Right. Uh, and that's more of the the value that we provide in between the hearings, right? Uh, we're not going to sit here and say that we haven't settled a case at a hearing before, but it actually takes yeah. a lot of effort on both sides to get that job done, right? The attorney has to come in and actually be prepared uh, to talk settlement, to talk turkey. And, you know, aside from these per diem of counsel uh, cases, sometimes we go into court and it's the actual Hanley attorney and he or she is not ready to talk mm -hmm. settlement. Right? So right. it's really about the preparation you have. It doesn't stop us from uh, focusing more on settlement in between the hearings, which we uh, certainly have had success doing. Yeah, I've also heard things like, Greg, I want you to go into court and read the witness or read the claimant. And and there might be some validity of that in some circumstances. And But the it's pretty rare. We have the claimant who comes in with an eye patch and the arm in right. a sling and two crutches and then walks out of the courtroom. And as soon as they're out of sight of the judge, they take their eye patch off. You know, they put on their dancing shoes and <laughs> do a jig out of the courthouse. I mean, it's just less likely. It's a, just, a, in my opinion, uh, it's a pretty remote justification to spend all that time effort. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, there. if it's certainly, if there's certainly uh, that kind of desire, right, we'll put on our best suit and we'll look great and, you know, scare the opposing <laughs> witness and really try to do uh, all the all the legal tactics that we have to get the right testimony, the right records in the file. Uh, but like I said, 90% of those cases, when there's no dispute, uh, you're really saving uh, the bottom line by having an attorney. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think we're very belt and suspenders lawyers here. I think our goal is always to be as prepared as we can be before we walk into the courtroom. When, right. What happens in that courtroom should really just be the unfolding of our action plan. It really shouldn't be surprises coming in and out of left right. field. Yeah, we like to throw grenades in their robo. Yeah, we like to disturb whatever their action plan is. And, you know, when we'll go to court, that's our intention, create that leverage opportunity. But, you know, the majority of the time, most of the work should be done outside of the courtroom 
and we should just be going in there to sort of just put through our action plan and just execute it. And it, you know, we really can save our clients a lot of time and a lot of wasted litigation money uh, by going to courts uh, through the virtual process. The other great thing for clients is they can come. You can right. log in, you can watch the whole case go in and see how your attorneys are doing for you and see how the witnesses appear and see what the judge's demeanor is towards your case. Uh, what a great opportunity. And, you know, we've got clients where the adjusters, uh, maybe they're in a TPA, maybe they're in-house, but they're all over the country. Right. And they certainly have never been to a New York workers' compensation hearing before. I'll tell you, there's a big difference between reading a transcript and watching the thing absolutely, live, absolutely. Right? To kind of see the process unfold, uh, you know, I, I like to think of it as like a memorialization of what we've done to get to that point, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing new that we're really expecting because, you know, the, the most prepared attorneys really don't see surprises that often. Right. And uh, to have uh, our clients sit in, uh, it, it's really been nice to, you know, introduce them to the process and see how we work, right? Uh, you know, a little glimpse behind the curtain, see how the sausage is made, and, and see how the, this case is really handled uh, by a true professional. All right, so I'm hoping uh, that we've sparked some interest or created at least a little bit of uh, controversy or information around this subject for everybody. Again, virtual hearings are going to be mandatory, but they're going to be statewide. There's not a single exception to the virtual hearing process. Let's go over here, and I'm hoping we have some good questions. I'm going to open up the questions panel. I just see the test question I sent myself before the, <laughs> the webinar started. Uh, Similar so guess, to the noon webinar, I guess. But yeah, you know, not, I think that if uh, yeah. if everybody's know everybody's known what a virtual hearing is, uh, really this particular one is to really announce the the breaking news that all 25 hearing points are on board. This is not a fad. It's not mm -hmm. going away. Mm -hmm. And in fact, like the board, the board's push to get this more seamless is really in lockstep with our position uh, in helping our clients, you know, defending employers and making sure that they receive the best possible representation. You know, if anybody came here was looking for some penalties or some coverage, uh, call us. You're just going to have to call us. Or you know what? There's a great podcast that came out this past month. Oh, he's got to promote people. Third here we Fridays. Go. We it's a 201 level. Uh, side to the the one-on-one level webinar uh please feel free my partner uh, tashia razul uh, was a guest and she actually just spoke at the clm conference so it's really exciting uh we hope that uh you either there or have questions about that as well thanks everybody have a great week